Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Hello, happy Friday. How are you? Happy Friday. I am running a little behind getting in the house, but I will be there like five minutes. I mean, we can get started in a few. Let some people pile in. Go ahead and tweet out the room, send it to your groups, to all your friends, all your... You can even send it to people on Instagram, honestly, because uh, you don't need to be on Twitter to access Twitter spaces. Did you know that? Fun fact. So while you're tweeting out the room, um, yeah, let's bring some people up here. Feel free to request. It's good, everybody. We're just waiting a little bit here to get the room warmed up. So settle in. And uh, if you want to come up to speak, feel free to hit that request button. Otherwise, tweet out the room. And I did not know that, Stacey. I had no idea that uh, you did not have to be on Twitter to listen to Twitter Spaces. So uh, that is something that I've learned. I guess you learn something new every day. So sit back, hang tight for a minute, and we will get going very soon. Just realizing Stacy's going to take a minute to get home, so I just wanted to kick it off. I, I wanted to, um, first off, 
to Fashion Fridays. I typically hosted this on Fridays from, God, like 2 until 5 EST, but we wanted to try a little later in the day. It's been probably three to four weeks since I've actually done this. Um, been a minute, really. Um, but I thought it was time to bring it back, and we wanted to uh, kind of bring some new people on and really spark some conversations in terms of what's going on with Web3 and fashion and kind of all the things that are sprouting up. Um, typically like to lead the conversation, um, but don't mind if it takes, you know, if it takes its own shape and, and the community wants it to go where, where it goes. Uh, I don't mind that either. Um, so once again, feel free to request to come on up and speak. Um, otherwise, we will kind of kick back and wait until um, Stacy gets settled and We've got Matthew here. It's actually, I've got a lot of new faces that I haven't seen. Um, and I have not met New Street yet. So it's a pleasure to um, to meet you as well. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you today. How are you doing, by the way? Doing really good. Doing really good. It's a nice Friday afternoon here in Michigan. I was just going to say, where are you from? What, what part of Michigan are you in? I'm actually at, uh, I have a lake house in northern Michigan. So Traverse City area, if you're familiar with it. But I live uh, regularly in the Detroit area. Got it, got it. I actually, um, I want to say Bloom, or where, where was it from? Just outside of um, the Detroit area, there's a, a store called Caruso Caruso, and I can't remember exactly. Okay. Like Bloomfield, I think you were going to say Bloomfield Hills Bloomfield, or something like that. Yeah, like, yes. yeah, there's a shopping and, and more of the yeah, fashion stuff in, in that uh, in that area. It's a, it's interesting, Detroit as a, as a fashion center, you know, how a, a lot of Detroit moved away from Detroit, and now it's sort of moving back. Um, among many things we can talk about, but by the way, I'm, Nate, I'm Eric and, um, also known as defiance works as my sort of crypto, uh, anonymous, but not so anonymous anymore, uh, persona. Um, and new, new street is essentially a media and data platform for collectors. So, um, starting with, you know, the media, um, that we've got now, and then we're layering on tools like, um, you know, searches, uh, you know, tools that basically enable cl collectors with data across physical and digital collectibles. So like sneakers to NFTs and all that fun stuff. So I'm sure, um, that'll come up, but additionally, um, as I mentioned, I'm defiance works and I'm also a pretty big collector of NFTs and many things, um, you know, hence the company I started new street. Um, and so, uh, so that's me and, and happy to meet you all and be here and talk yeah likewise i uh, appreciate that in the intro there uh by the way james costa here i'm typically 99.9 percent .9 of the time the individual um, behind the clubhouse archives logo i founded the company and the business uh, we are a luxury apparel brand born on the blockchain for the web3 community um and had about 23 years experience in design development and production of men's and women's apparel um, so definitely get into some of that today, I'm sure. Um, but I, I do want to drive the conversation, um, in a number of different ways and places and whatnot and make sure, uh, kind of has a chance to chime in and, um, really contribute to the conversation. We've got Matthew up here who I always love sharing the stage with and, um, Matthew, how are you today? Not dead yet, but present. <laughs> <laughs> typical Matthew response, something that's going to make you laugh, but uh, probably very close. Dang, it's Friday place. afternoon. That's a little <laughs> little rough for a Friday afternoon, you know? Hey, but I'm still present, you know? I'm just waiting that's for right. that first whiskey. I think it just hit 5 o'clock, uh, so I think I'm allowed. There you go. I get it now. I get it. Uh, that should be fun. That, uh, that actually is going to be fun. Um, and then 
uh, I, I think it's Briro or, or Briro. I'm not really sure. I don't want to mess that up, but I, I'll say hello you and how are you? You right the first time. Briro, hello. Nice to be here with all of you. My fabulous Stacky Robinson and my favorite, Matt Apaz. Um And hello, everyone in the room. Very nice to be here. Hello, hello. And where where are you from, uh, Briro, if you don't mind me asking? Of course not. I'm from, well, my family is from <laughs> uh, Sicily. And, uh, you know, I have a big Italian family. And then um, uh, I also am half African-American. But I was born and raised in California. Um and yeah, I, I spent a majority of my career um, in, in fashion in Los Angeles and traveling, you know, various places uh, with that. So, yeah. Couple couple things to unpack there. My my family is actually or part of my family from Sicily. So when you said that, that definitely struck a chord. And really? Yeah. My family's from Italy, actually. Um uh, father's side from Sicily, mother's side from north of Milan in the mountains. So, um, oh man, that's fiery. Oh, yeah. That's spicy. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is spicy. You know how that that yes. house went, right? <laughs> north and the south. People don't realize this, but you know, in, in Italy, there's a, there's a similar kind of north and south thing going on. Um, just always has been, and. Yeah, it creates an interesting dynamic in a household that's all Italian that kind of comes um, from from different regions that I think um, people can somewhat assimilate and relate to if they are from the U.S. and um, they understand how that dynamic would operate from a family, let's say, from New York and perhaps Alabama, uh, if you will. But um, the other thing was L.A. I, I lived in L.A. for almost six years, I think. Um, that's where I met my wife and we had our, our son until we moved here to Colorado. But I spent some time there um, by way of New York, by way of Atlanta, by way of Florida, which is where I was born and raised. Um, so definitely got around there. And, and that created, I think, an interesting um, dynamic for me in terms of um, just the way that I, I interact with the world. I've seen a lot of different um, dialects and a lot of different, you know, kinds of cultures, just even in the, in my own country. So pretty interesting, but love Italy. And we actually, um, we produce goods there too. So it's pretty awesome. So wait, three of us here are Sicilian. No way. Matt. I did not know that. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My dad's side is all Sicilian. I mean, I'm learning all kinds. of. I things. admittedly have no clue what I am. I'm like a mutt, like crazy. So, oh yeah, I'm adopted. No so idea. God knows what my blood. I have no is. idea. All I know I was seven. I was seven percent North African. I think when when I when I did like one of those tests a long time ago, where they now have all my DNA. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's it doesn't even make sense. I, I don't think Sicilian though. I think I'm I... missing that. <laughs> I'm willing to dox my last name right now just because I have three Sicilians on, on this panel. And my last name, because this is so fun, I just love saying it when people ask my name. I tell them my name is Brie, like the cheese, and my last name is Romano, like the cheese. So I'm just like, 
just double cheese, you know? Uh, yeah, but I cut out Romano. I cut it out shorter. It made it row, free row photo. It used to be, but yeah, even my last name is Cheese. <laughs> Italian Cheese. So, uh, that's you know. fabulous. <laughs> I never knew you were so cheesy. Right? I know. <laughs> Fashion, though. <laughs> No, that's hold on a minute. That that's pretty amazing. So my my last name is is Costa or Costa, which means by or of the coast, um, which in Sicily pretty much everyone was. Um, so that's that's pretty incredible. I love love uh, kind of learning lineage and and whatnot, and to have three Italians up on the stage, pretty cool um, rarity, I think, or at least maybe sometimes happens, and I just don't know. Obviously, it was preordained on this yeah. day. Three so, yeah, I mean, in one room. Stacky, like Stacky knows how though. to pick them. <laughs> so, yeah, so I basically harassed half of you on the stage. So, welcome. Welcome to Fashion Fridays with Clubhouse Archives NFTs. So, uh, today I wanted to talk about um, today I saw a tweet about uh, from Gucci. Did anybody see that? Their NFT? Which one? The first one or the, or the, the, the second thing that they launched? The second thing that they launched, I'm gonna pin it up, and, and I want you guys to give me your. Ooh, on. yeah, I haven't seen the second thing. I uh, love so how I feel about big companies coming to uh, Web three, especially when we have smaller fashion, you know, fashion designers and things like that. Into Web three is not, it's not, it's not a, uh, it's a good thing, but it also can be, you know, you know, very, it could be bad. So I just wanted to talk about it and see what everybody's opinion on it was, and I want to say, welcome, Will. What's up? What's up, Jack? Yeah, I'm mobile right now, so I might be a little ruggy. Give me a few, and I'll be on a stable connection. We all trying to get there, because I'm trying to get there myself. Uh, I should be in a stable connection about uh, five minutes, so pray for it, not rug. I was noticing, um, I, I've been following the the uh, super rare um, vault Gucci drop. Um, but I think that's been going on for like a week or so. Um, I don't know if that, that you guys have seen that at all on super rare. Wait, it's kind of where I started out. My... It's, it's a pulse rug? It's a, it's a vault. A vault. A vault um, yeah. So I, I believe, and I'm not 100% familiar with it because I didn't end up buying, but I think it is um, kind of like a physical digital type of a thing. Like um, like Dolce & Gabbana had done in the past, um, I know, and, uh, and and so on and so forth. So very interesting. And I think, just to reintroduce myself again, um, Eric slash Defiance Works, uh, probably talking to you mostly today. Um, as my personal self, Defiance Works, um, my company, New Street, is a media and data platform where collectors can go and find information, learn things. We focus a lot on education. So um, we're building essentially a, I'm a big data geek. So I build, build uh, and systems and all that fun stuff. And we won't talk about any of that today, I promise. Um, but as my uh, private self, I'm Defiance Works and a big collector of fashion NFTs, among other NFTs. So awesome to talk to you guys today um on top of my mind is the artifact drop last night that didn't go wonderfully um that that's a that's kind of a bummer uh for me but um otherwise nice to talk to you all you know so we should yeah i was gonna say we should talk about that I've a lot about that um, and i've heard a lot of opinions i had my own opinions and i'm curious can you can you dive into 
what your bad experience yeah. was? Sure. And admittedly, one of the largest uh, holders of CloneX and um, and most of other NFTs that uh, Artifact has issued. I also own their Genesis NFT from Super Rare, the Cyber Sneaker. Um, so I'm a pretty big collector and bag holder. So in a way, sort of fudding my own bag, of course. But I but I always will um, look more long term and try to be, uh, I guess, as much as I can be a um, kind of like an activist, so to speak. <laughs> Um, and so, so speaking to you guys as an activist today, um, yeah, I think that there was some 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 real messes in the front end technology that was deployed to sort of do the drop. And what happened was um, a lot of people had to go through the smart contract and mint. Uh, the front end really never came to life. It minted out um, from people like myself that know how to use the EtherScan to mint from the contract. So it really wasn't a fair playing field for people trying to get in. Um, alternatively, the one biggest feedback that I think I have, and I think most of the community has for, uh, for Artifact is that, um, you know, the whole launch design, um, you know, was, was kind of, uh, messy. You know, you had 8,888 hoodies. They're cool. They're, uh, AR enabled, a lot of cool stuff. Um, you know, very desirable, but there's 20,000 clones. Um, there's also 20,000 of those Artifact Dunk um, sneakers. And so essentially there's 40,000 people qualifying for 8,888 slots. Um, so Clonex has first of all been sort of advertised as the thing that was, you know, sort of front and center to the, to the whole community and going to be the, 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 the grail of, of, of artifact. And, you know, they're giving the same priority to people that bought essentially the sneaker that was well, like one tenth of the value at, at most. So it really kind of devastated, um, the value of Clonex in, in my opinion, in the short term. Uh, sorry to sort of throw up, throw up and throw up, but there's a lot of background to to, to establish. But uh, any about that stuff? No, I, I think here's, and I'm glad that you brought this up because this is an important point. <laughs> and without getting on too much of a soapbox, I, I don't, I, I cannot subscribe to the belief that a business misses this many times. Um, and, and when I say a business, I, I should say businesses miss this many times on these kind of mechanics. As you, yeah, these these number of individuals they can afford it. That's that's. I totally totally agree. Yeah. It's a focus thing. It's a focus thing. And when you think about it, it's three guys that are incredibly talented designers. Um, you know, they've got a really talented technologist. I think that it's just it's just too too much growth too fast. Um, I but the thing that I'm really concerned about it is not even the drops. It's more the strategy. Um, when you think about how they did it, right? They they make god awful amounts of money in secondary royalties. The whole point of Web3 is to reward the community for activity and such. And you're going to charge me 0.2 ETH for, for a sweater. Um, I, I really, that, that is just, that's not, so the prioritization of Clonex, first of all, was bad. Simple on top of what they've already made uh, gobs of money on. The drop going poorly, um, front end technology, you know, it's all, yeah, exactly. I mean, look. Let's let's be real though. The the, the piece itself is incredible. It's it's, it's both air oh, cool. and it's got an NFC chip uh, included, which we're very familiar with. We're doing the same thing, so I oh, very cool. Value in that. Yeah, that's there's value there. The problem I, I I just don't understand is is like you said the I don't want to say the point of because the point of Web three is definitely not to to provide value back. It enables the it's technology. Flywheel. Right. Exactly. It enables you to do it. I agree with you. The addition this, like you said, for the original holders to be on deck first, get this value, you receive the product, probably speak volumes about how incredible it is and amazing the technologies, and then they could have done it again. And it probably would have worked and everybody gets a piece, but the way that they did this just creates confusion for everyone and someone like you, disdain. 
Yeah. No, I mean, and I own, I own uh, for disclosure, 64 clones. I own, um, you know, about as many, well more than that in their NFTs. Um, and, and so like, yeah, yeah, it's a big, big, uh, you know, and I, I look at like cash flow essentially from an asset. Right. I mean, I, uh, you know, I hate that. I, I'm not, a, I, I'm a big collector. I love these things to death, but you have to look at the financial aspect of it. And I look at it like I just lost a lot of utility. I was able to mint 13 of them through the smart contract, which is awesome. And, and it's hard to complain about that. But that being said, I have 64 clones and about the same amount of many um, sneakers. And so, you know, I lost out on 100 and something sneak, uh, hoodies, I guess, uh, or potential. Um, but that being said, the, the, the scarcity and everything, it was, you know, I can't complain because I did much better than most. Um, but its whole design was just not, it was not designed to make anybody happy. I don't get it. Yeah, that was what I was referring to. Is it is is it just confuses? I I always just call that a miss, and that's literally what I meant when I said. Well, I wonder. Here, here's miss. another thing too, and I don't <laughs> like to get into this too much, but there may have been some internal conversation and concern that by giving free um, hoodies to to uh, NFT holders, what would be considered a, a like a securities uh, concern in the SEC's eyes. I'm speculating there, but I'm but those a question mark. Like, how the heck did you come up with that price? I mean, it's expensive for a hoodie, I, even AR enabled. I think that ship has sailed for a lot of projects, and if they're if they're comparing it to a physical item, we do need to remember that I, I, I we can date back to every single NFT project that's been wildly successful and has airdropped free. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Totally, totally. Oh, 100%. It's it's Nike being careful. It could be Nike being overly careful because you're giving a, you know, consideration for for nothing. I don't know. I mean, there's, it's all interpretation of nothing, really. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I I think Steve actually who's down there, by the way, and I appreciate him listening and he's probably working out. I'm imagining him doing like lat pulls or something while he's listening to this. Said very well this morning. Um, you know, one of the things about technology um, and the way that we're all navigating the Web3 space is we're always pushing the boundary, right? And we have to push boundary in ways um, that we get just close enough um, to say either, A, you know what, I was I was too close um, there and, um, uh, you know, that I might cross the line or they just cross the line, they break things and they, and they figure it out, right? And I, and I think that that's what we're seeing in a lot of these cases. But what in their case, though, what confuses me, what confuses you is the Right. You've got 4,000 up against an eight. I think it was 8,888. If I'm wrong, I apologize. Yes, you're exactly right. Yeah. So it's like I looked at that and I'm like, first of all, what an arbitrary number against a 40,000, um, you know, really demand because it's a, it's a complete supply and demand thing when you think about it. Um, that that entire lo- allotment probably could have went out all 40,000 out in a, in a matter of. Um, um, no time uh, probably would have created, um, you know, a lot of clogging in the network. But still, I think they could have been successful there, and they could have had a lot of um, happy holders. I don't, I don't, I haven't heard too much happiness come out of this drop, so it's just confusing to me. No, I've, I've heard zero, and myself included, really. I mean, and, and I'm sure they'll 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 recover from it. I mean, they're they're smart team, but I think that this is going to be a real crucial point in their future. I mean, they really have to decide. You know, are they going to you know to to get control of their strategy and and think through why they're here and i think that you know they're they're definitely heads in the right place i just hope that you know there's not any consequences corporate legal or otherwise that are causing them to uh change their strategies 
Yeah, I mean, the pro- look, it is Nike. Let's, they have the best lawyers yep. in the world, so they probably know things that we don't. Um, oh, absolutely. Not going to discount that at all, and you're probably absolutely correct on that. Um, Brero, go, go ahead. I, you wanted to chime in. Hey, everybody. I'm in a stable place. So go ahead, Brie. I saw your hand up. Oh, no. You know what? Stacky, why don't you go in and come in? Because I think that um, that was actually an accident. I was, <laughs> I was I really listening. Was. <laughs> and then I was concerned because I saw Matthew drop from the panel. And I was like, oh, hell no. I just tweeted out the space. Uh fashion experts and why the hell is Matthew not up here because uh hello I'm not trying to cap on my timeline <laughs> and Stacky, I want to hear more from girl I'm you you That's invited me to the space I'm, I'm I, I, I am a fashion expert and I want to know I mean I'm here I, yeah. I'm here I've been here 15 too. years in this industry come on no so I want to hear from you I wanted to do <laughs> So for y'all, you guys who don't know me, hi, I'm Staggy Robinson, like Jackie Robinson. I like to keep saying that. Jackie Robinson. (laughs) You know, maybe um, like Jackie Brown, maybe, you know, Stacky Brown, maybe I could be that. I live. But yeah, yeah. I just want to know a little bit about you guys. I can tell you about myself a little bit. You know, like I said, I'm Stacky Robinson. I uh, have a little group, all-female trading community called Stockianas. I also um, have a, a podcast with Christine Barnum called the OTC Club. Um, I do a little NFT um, project management in the background because that's one of my skill, project management. Money Mom helps me sometimes. You know, hi, the Money Mom. Welcome, welcome. Uh, I do so. I do a little ad- advocacy and. And a little and things like that. It's a lot about me. I'm just out here. I have a newsletter that I'm just launching. If you want to know more about me, but I'm here to talk about fashion, and I'm here to talk about you. So I want to get to know some of you guys in here. You know, I know some of you, but I want to get to know more about you guys and what you do in the fashion industry and what brings you to Web three. So first, I'm going to ask Money Mom why your hand is up. Hey, Money Mom, why is your hand up? <laughs> Because uh, I was just thrown off by someone saying that a hoodie was a security. So I just wanted to get clarification <laughs> on that. So, like, yeah. that is not I'm possible. happy. Yeah, actually, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. It, it It's basically giving you something. For holding an NFT, if you're giving somebody like, monetary value for not, no value exchange, I think there could be some consideration there. But I don't know. It's a... It's a it's all interpretation, I think, at this point. Yeah, because my understanding of security is like investments, like you know, promising people that they're gonna make money off of something. Yeah, like, but that's kind of but that's kind of what it is when you think about it, right? Like the hoodie, like reselling, and like you know, like if you if you sold it, to no, a no, 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 yeah. Is that a security? Yeah, like, I'm not talking. Out? No, I'm not talking. So I'm I'm talking about the NFT. It, it basically, if you're giving, like, if you have a like something that you're giving somebody for just holding the nft then that person is buying nfts expecting those future things you know those things in the future and so it's not the secure it's not the hoodie that's the security concern it's the it's the nft potentially and again this is all sort of speculation and i'm not a lawyer and uh this is not legal or financial advice but um but yeah that's understanding of 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 like the the sticky point yeah that would make sense 
Uh, Matthew, I know you had your hand up. Well, like the whole concept of sort of how it can be a security is the equivalent of, so like the Birkin bag. The Birkin bag you can use as equity for your house and be able to resell it at an even higher value. When the the concept of the metaverse and especially now with uh, like the development of like the Aura blockchain with Prada and uh, LVMH and Cartier all becoming a part of that, you have this new ability for them to track provenance in a way that before wasn't necessarily a part of the equation as much as, or it was, but only to a certain degree. And we have com- companies like Chanel that have already been using the RFID chips in their bags for, I'd say, probably the last like four or so years. So the technology is already integrated, especially in, I'd say, the accessory market more so has a secondary market value much higher than that of the garments. But in a digital or digital space, the proposition is that now once you have a digitalized garment that is paired with the physicalized piece, the profit or the preservation asset is eternal and not relegated to wear and tear so the ownership and the digital ownership are two kind of different concepts whether it's you're pertaining yourself strictly to a physicalized world or if you're operating within a digital space so dancing between a digital space and a physicalized one because it because it is going to evolve especially the more we have avatars involved in our personal identity I'm interesting. I'm interested in finding that a little, little bit in perspective of like, so if you have one-to-one asset NFT, that's kind of understandable. You can borrow and lend on that. That's cool. But if, if you have an NFT that essentially promises you more fuzzy future things, like say you have an NFT that says, I'm going to give you a hoodie every single month if you buy this NFT. Is that, I mean, I, I, I just, it sounds like you know what you're talking about around here. So I just asked you the question. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it can have a similar, it, it depends on the back end of the project. To be honest, I, I think everything right now, people are leveraging uh, social equity before anything else. Like we're in the age right now where it's digital first and we're not necessarily thinking in the prospectus of how much inventory do we need to have to develop a company anymore? Like you don't need the giant teams to be able to produce it. And that's with the development of AI, being able to streamline a lot of these processes. Like you have companies like Shine now that are able to cut the production rate from what was it Zara was I think it was six weeks from design to uh sell uh, till it's in market and now it's down with shine to three days and that's based off of an AI completely generating and they also have zero inventory so super interesting so if you have companies and a structure around it that can guarantee supply on a chain yes that the benefit would be presumptively adequate And then the ability to resell that asset would then have the same kind of asset margin. If we're talking in like strictly, like uh, I think the best way to think about them, and especially since if we're talking in a global market, since even China, like I'm working with a Beijing based company too, that if we're looking on a global market, like Beijing and China cannot at all all operate on the standard of, it can't be called an nft it has to be called a modern collectible so if you're thinking about this as an nft is just a new uh arm basically of the collectibles market it is just enabling us to look at assets and properties in a digitalized form 
when that also secures a lot of asset purchases. So say you had a 3D rendering of a Van Gogh painting and had the digital, the like had digital ownership of it. So you own the physicalized piece, but it was burnt or lost. You still have the digitalized piece as proof of ownership and stake that still retains value that then can be correlated beyond sort of, you know, the passage of time kind of bullshit. If, does that make any sense? Yeah, no, totally. That's, yes, that's Matthew. awesome perspective. Fit in that G. Thank you for that. All right. Well, we thank you so much for the, um, for the alpha. Uh, what I wanted to get into uh, earlier, Matthew, coming through with alpha. You know what, Matthew? I saw you so many times before, right? And I never got to really talk to you. You was in the space as me and Stacey Bueller. So I just wanted to know a little bit about your background. Tell me about yourself. Let's get to know each other. Well, hi. Yeah, uh, I'm a fashion and portrait photographer originally. And I've done creative consulting within the fashion industry for about 15 years. So, and I'm friends with a lot of people that sort of vary all over the industry. And I grew up with my dad, who's a lawyer, and then my mom, who was an artist and craftswoman who literally did every form of art you can imagine. So I grew up, one, with, like, history and, you know, try trying to be a sponge. So for me, a lot of what I'm drawn to is being able to find the parallels and look at history and fashion in that context through my art. But also now I'm involving myself more in the NFT space on sort of um, the education side and trying to help create through lines especially now when you know it's a new space i come from you know fashion which is a bitchy industry like there's a lot of awful people in there but the thing that always kept me going was the really beautiful souls within it that really kept me wanting to stay in an industry that necessarily is quite toxic but being able to see now this new development and being able to see things like being able to share equity with all of your collaborators. Like for me as a photographer, my first inroad into NFTs was being able to see the fact that my model, my hair and makeup team, my stylist can all get equity in the image that they helped me create because it is a collaborative project. And I've started to also see how that applies in the NFT world so much more because, you know, even just looking at the big companies right now, you have Adidas, uh, collaborating with everyone from Balenciaga to Gucci to uh, pro uh, now they have the product collaboration too. And it's seeing all these intersections, which is like a streetwear company that never was considered high fashion, but now high fashion and streetwear is symbiotic. And then seeing these kind of threads because I'm around so many different people, whether it's the designers, the producers, the hair and makeup people who all have information and sort of are sharing how things suck <laughs> and it's like wait no we can actually restructure this in a way that is equitable to all and allows us to create work that not necessarily is beholden to companies or to you know magazines or it's relegated just to your ideas and for me to be able to collaborate with people and build collaborations to create art and a foundation for you know the future of what we as a culture can become because fashion to me is everything from music to gaming to sports. Like it is, it is the all encompassing element and it's just how we are able to unverbally communicate from to one another. And that's just a little bit about me. <laughs> yeah. Shit. I was going to say, I don't want to go next. 
I like Matthew. He's awesome. He has a passion voice. That's awesome. Yeah, that's I'm glad Matthew. Yeah, that's, absolutely. The passions, the passion is just everything. Listen, Matthew's it. the wave. He doesn't even know it. So I was glad you showed up, Matthew. Um, and I'm glad to know more about you. And you're very intelligent. Uh, so far, you know, history, gaming, and all that to do with fashion, like, you know, somebody from the outside who didn't study fashion and who I just like some clothes, you know, um, just having, you, you know, somebody who's in the fashion industry and understanding that it's more than more than just clothes, right? It's art is like you said, it's gaming. Uh, I wanted to know gaming, right? You don't think about fashion and gaming. Uh, what? I know I used to make my little avatar and put some clothes on it and try to make it match. Like, how would fashion and gaming go hand in hand? Well, the first ever um, digital, I'm pretty sure it was like the first ever digital exchange was on World of Warcraft. And it was a suit of armor digitally for a um, a horse. So it's like fashion is integral to gaming because, I mean, every character has some sort of artistic design to it. And now even more fashion and gaming, you know, you have everything from baseline games like Covet that are integrating into just sort of that casual gaming aspect. And then you have games like The Sims that you have uh, creators like Senti who creates full collections based off of designers work to, you know, create a real life inside of that. Like those are the designers that are going to really propel even our perspective of the metaverse because they already have that digital gaming knowledge. And because us operate a digitalized space, you know, the technology is coming from the gaming community. Like, this was originally operating much for that community, not necessarily for the artists and artisans that are entering into the space and, you know, finding our voice through it. But it's about how do you create those through lines, especially into the gaming community, because, you know, interoperability for our industry is going to be the key the ways that we collaborate as designers even needs to be the way that, you know, the gaming IPs can operate. That'd be the biggest hindrance in this entire sort of attempt is the gaming IPs are going to control such a large swath of this. And because there's so much money involved with them sharing assets, you're going to have a huge time getting them to actually willingly open the doors to each other and share IPs versus just be able to hold the bag on and hope that their IP becomes the monopoly but in fashion we we need to have that interoperability to get something whether it's a pixelized project to a highly renderized space and one of the first oh, sorry no go right ahead i was saying one of the first things i collected as a as a as a, as a fashion nft collector was um artifact cyber sneaker which was superimposed on elon musk in 2018 at the met gala um but the reason why i bring up artifact is because chris lee one of the founders of the team is actually a csgo uh, skin creator and made a ton of money doing that and people don't understand the value of digital assets exchanged in gaming it's massive and NFTs are perfect for it. I mean, it's like literally like the 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 way that things could be more efficient and interoperable. It's, 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 just oh God, it's the way it's, that it's, they structure. Like it, I always look at yep. the Sims and how they structure drops. Like we should fundamentally look at how even the gaming community utilizes uh, dropping 100, collections. A hundred percent. We have to more align. Like we have to like similar. It's like a line verbiage almost in the way that things are done. Exactly. Um, we we actually so New Street actually sponsored um, CECC, the Collegiate um, Esports uh, Commissioners Cup, and as part of it, I was able to speak on Twitch TV. And and it's amazing. Like you know, you get the narratives of 
the environmental concern is like they think that literally you, you you create an NFT and you burn down the rainforest. I mean, that's how bad it's gotten. So it's like there's so many narratives that really need to be unwound. Um, and, and ultimately, a control system in place around these bar- large gaming ecosystems is not going to be easy to to disrupt. The key is to find ways to utilize their financial power to 100%, yes. everyone else. Like, I, I've always kind of preach from the mountaintop i'm like well if a major corporation wants to come to the space how do we sort of create so that they operate like the same way as all of us that they have to pay x amount of gas fee for participants within the space like they need to cover those kind of fees because if they have the corporation finances to be able to do that they could dead ass come in and just buy out everyone's project in a month like if the big corporations really wanted to and that would just dead the market and then they could run a full game over top. So, but it's like thinking in a way that's like, how do you protect the asset of our intellectual space that we're developing, but also knowing that the corporations are going to come in? How do we utilize and not just get used? Right. Absolutely. No, it's very, very well said. They have to go question. through the onboarding process. I, I, I've been saying it since the beginning, since people aged into board Ape, since um, Nike came out with their collection, that people have to stop like flocking to the bigger corporations just because it's familiar and they like name brands and like really make them kind of struggle a little bit like they have to be you know introduced to the community the same way we are like and i feel the same way about celebrities like if we just it is one thing to embrace and it's one thing to kind of like coddle them when like they should know about wallets they should know about security they should know how the technology work and what it means for us and what it means for them and like if we you know just oh my gosh nike came out something and i have to collect it like that's kind of detrimental in a way too. They have to like go through the same processes as us, and then something like Matthew said, like a, a fee or something like that. Or we have to come to an agreement, like as a community, like hey, if they want to come here, like you know, like this this has to be like the 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 guidelines or the, the stipulations for that. Just to, to kind of chime it in because it's funny. I'm not like. I'm not as on the fashion side as, as everyone else, but like web three is like my sort of where I, I feel pretty comfortable in, in that particular space. And um, I think what you hit on there is a really interesting point because I think authenticity is what matters. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that actually really disappointed me, and I know they're not obviously a fashion brand, but when Adidas came in, I was really excited about it because of the way they came in. They, they worked with Pixel Vault devs and they worked with the Bored Apes and they worked with, you know, authentic brands. And they started the conversations with both of those uh, NFT brands before they had sort of taken off. And I thought that was great. And then I was super disappointed to learn that Adidas, who has this major manufacturing line, is using third party vendors to create their merchandise that they're making for uh, necessary, necessary care. Whereas I know in brand like Nike cares because beyond Artifact, um, I, I actually know the person who's working, one of the people who is working on Nike's full-on sort of Web3 projects um, outside of just Artifact. So I know that they're trying to be authentic and do it, and that's why they acquired Artifact to do it. But kind of, kind of tracking back. Cause there Could was- you talk a little more about that, if you don't mind? Uh, uh, Nike.swoosh, or what is the, the site that has kind of, is kind of teasing it, right? So yeah, that, that's basically the extent I know outside my, my buddy Seth, who is literally like, when he's like, I'm working on, I talked to him at VCon and he mentioned he was working on Nike's NFT thing. And this was before that all dropped, I think, or before it was really put out there. And I was like, oh, you're working on Artifact? And he's like, something else, can't talk much. And so I didn't really pry 
Um, but I, but I think that they're really trying to uh, do a multi-pronged approach where, you know, artifact is obviously going to be a part of it, but part of acquiring artifact was towards, was for them to sort of push towards um, a full on web three strategy and make sure that they're embracing the technology, which by the way, um, you know, just to kind of ties into another point that was made earlier about, um, you know, fashion being an integral part of gaming. And I, I love whoever, I think it was Matthew who said that because, you know, I, I see it with my kids where, you know, my, my kids are on, on Roblox and Minecraft all day. And, you know, the fact that like my kids like very carefully pick out what skins and what clothes and what things are going to wear that match it. Because at the end of the day, I am not a fashionable person, although James is making me one. Uh, like, he, you know, at Club, like Clubhouse Archives is actually helping me out with that so that I actually look like I know what I'm doing. Um, but at the same time, like I'm not a super fashionable person, but fashion is just an expression of yourself. It's what do you feel comfortable wearing? What do you wear? And how do you, you know, wear that thing to express yourself? Or at least that's the way I see it. Y'all are way more... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, nursery. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, and, and, and yeah, no, no. I was, I, sorry. I was, I, I accidentally, uh, mic there. Oh no. Oh no. Oh good. I was going to say like, and so to me, like them doing that in, in what is, what effectively is a metaverse, right? Like with something like a Roblox and a Minecraft and my daughter. Yeah, it's it's like social, it's like a social, um, it's like digital socialization more than it is a game. Well, absolutely. And, and, um, there's Andrew Chen is a partner, Andrews and Horace, who I was able to interview on a spaces at one point. So he's the one who's investing in all of these companies like Pixel Vault and Bored Apes and uh, Jenkins of Valley and all of them. And he had this really interesting comment that stuck with me where he said, every generation has their own social network. And for this next generation, it's actually things like Roblox and Minecraft were effectively a metaverse, right? Like every generation has that. And that's why I'm so interested in, you know, what they do, because my daughter comes up to me and asks me about Gucci, and I am like, where did you hear about Gucci? You're 10. But the fact that she's on and Gucci does integrations or people do self-integrations within Roblox and Minecraft make them realize that that digital flex slash that digital style, you know, truly matters. And so that that playover and, and the way you represent yourself in a metaverse is, is super interesting. It's not even just high fashion. Like, it's with my son. He picks what he wears because he thinks that, that that makes him, you know, feel good about himself when he's walking around with his friends in a metaverse. Um, it, it's one of the reasons I'm so interested in something like, again, just like pivoting to the world I know, like something to to Doodles, which is so interesting to me, where they're they're having these like, you know, mix and match and traits and thing in Doodles too, and they're bringing in Pharrell, who is a celebrity who's authentic about Web3, who does care about the space to be their chief brand officer, and he's the one who's like working on that stuff. It's like, it makes me interested to see how I process that. So... Yeah, I just I think it's that tie-in of, of of digital and also that digital world metaverse fashion is something that we haven't even begun to tap yet. I mean, think about how, and la last thing I'll say because I know I'm, I'm kind of on a rant is that I know like things like that board ape hoodie when they dropped it last year, it, the board ape hoodie in which can be worn in like Decentraland and things. It was one of their first airdrops before the board ape kennel club before the mutants. And people went nuts and they were wearing them around Decentraland. Why? Because it represented who they were. I mean, board apes were like a point, a half an ETH floor at the time, but people wanted to go around and wear what represented them in the metaverse. So I, I think that that concept is interesting and it's such a such a white, uh, sort of a, a green space because there's nobody who's really fully investing in doing that in that space right now. And so I think it's just so like interesting to say like you could represent yourself in a new way there and then kind of what James is doing to bring it to the real world, I think is interesting as well. So um I'll end that rant, but I but that 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 sort of resonated with me when y'all were saying that. No, the rant is okay. The rant is okay. You know, you're passionate about what you do. So Matthew, now that I think about it, the gaming and the the, the fashion, my daughter makes me spend uh, at least five dollars a day on Robux, and she has the cutest little dresses. 
and things. Yeah. I think I spend more money on uh, fake clothes than I do in clothing in real life. So it's definitely a, a angle for that. And you might shoot uh, if you're a fashion designer in, in Web3, it just may be make you making more money than you would in, <laughs> in the real life. So, Matthew, I see your hand. Well, first off, that's definitely true. Uh, the designer Senti was actually a friend of mine who, well, is friends with a friend of mine who worked at Balmain, so left his job at Balmain to go do that. So there's definitely money in it. So the two keys to take out of that, too, was one, it's about niche culture. Everyone needs to buy into niche culture, no matter what the brand, unless you have the ability to develop your own niche. And the key to also is, I'll be right back. I have to take this call. Sorry, I'll be back. Oh, shit. Uh, we won't. We got to wait for the key. We got to wait for the key. <laughs> Money Mom, I know you had your hand up. And it was probably because you, you play nothing but us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was just going to comment on how boring the game would be without fashion, Um, how I, I, some people just play The Sims just for, like, making characters and dressing them and stuff like that and um promoting them on the market and stuff. And then you have, like, people who do mods, like uh, what Matthew was speaking of, like his friend who's the fashion designer. Um, So 3D artists, like, are on there big. Like, and, I yeah, gaming would just be so, so born without fashion and designers um, and, you know, people who have that creative ability because gamers and coders, they, like Steve was saying, like, they not as fashion forward as, like, we would like them to be. And so you know that, you know, those ideas and, like, that fashion intricacy, it comes from people who have that type of mindset or that expertise. So I, I definitely appreciate fashion and gaming. And yes, Dal, I was excited that he mentioned The Sims because don't nobody be mentioning The Sims. Like, I'm like, The Sims is the shit, you guys. Like, and, I, <laughs> and digital fashion is like for me it's like the same thing as ebooks is it's like a, a business that that has like this this digital inventory where it can be limitless so i think you know anybody who's in the digital fashion realm anybody who's doing fashion for gaming is headed in the right direction because that is a you know the, the the inventory like the the potential to sell that inventory is crazy well, and like the other thing that's really cool about what you just said, you talked about it being limitless from a closet perspective, but also the fashion itself is only limited to what the code can do, which also means it's limitless. So that means like you always see these fashion shows where you see these designers take these massive risks, right? When they do something crazy with the clothes or something different, you could literally walk out of in something that has a limitless opportunity to it. You know, and whether it's my son who wants to walk around with like a, you know, fucking raven on his shoulder or whether it's like, you know, my, my daughter who wants to wear, you know, a Gucci bag that floats above her shoulder, right? They're two separate things, but they both can ultimately help them express themselves online in a different way, in a limitless way as they kind of walk through. So, you know, to me, I find that to be an interesting, interesting point. And the other thing I'll say is like, people don't realize fashion is actually one of the keys in, in a play to earn game because you mentioned it. You just nailed it when you said uh, stacky about the, how much money you spend on, on Robux. I mean, kids do tours to earn money in order to get a monthly subscription to Robux, which they spend on what skins. Why? Because when you do a play to earn, if you have a play to earn in a situation where you can buy something, that gives you an advantage in a game. Well, that's like starting a game of chess with two Queens. Um, and to me, that's bless you, sorry, my wife is sneezing directly next to me. I apologize. Um, 
But like, that's like starting a game of chess with two queens, right? You can't do that. But what you can do and where the money is made is people buying those things that they have as add-ons within the game that make them be able to flex and wear something different. And what matters? Rarity, right? Just like in the fashion world where it's like, you never see like, you know, uh, you, you know, someone, you never see someone in the royal family wear the same outfit twice, right? Like, it's the same way where, you know, if, if my kids have something that is, like, my daughter wanted a uh, hoverboard in one of her Roblox, Roblox game that wears, you know, that has, like, a cat on it or something. Why did she want the cat one? Because of the scarcity. Because she thinks it's cute, it's scarce, and it's hard to get. And so I think there's a lot of elements to sort of like how you can express yourself in those that can be played into it. And I think, and I think, I think what um, you know, Matthew was saying is, is so on point where it's like people haven't even begun to tap, you know, how you can start to integrate and monetize having fashion uh, be integrated into the metaverse in such an interesting way. So I think that there's so much, you know, so much opportunity there and, and ways to create those things. And also like you could, you know, like that, that's where branded opportunities come into play where it's like, hey. Like you could have a mission where essentially you play to earn and to complete this very tough thing in a game, you could earn a Gucci bag and Gucci gets that away, way, shape or form. And you interact with their brand and another brand. So there's so many different ways to play it that I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of future there that like we haven't even begun to tap. And the more realistic it gets, the more interesting it gets. Like my daughter literally plays a game on Roblox on Roblox where it's called Club Roblox and they literally do fashion shows in it where they go and do a fashion show and flex and the cheers decide who wins. And so it has this social signal ability to it where they wear different things to try things out. So um, I just think it's interesting. And yes, I agree. The Sims is the shit. I'll just, uh, I'll just uh, verbally retweet that uh, for you, money mom. I, I think the Thank interesting you. thing that, I, I think the interesting thing that, that, that everyone keeps bringing up here and, and we need to remember, I mean, there's a reason why Forever 21 and Ralph Lauren and Gucci and Vans and, and Nike Land are all on Roblox. I mean, that 100% fashion is going to play an absolute major role and probably will be one of the largest new drivers in the metaverse as it gets going. Because when you think of what it looks like when we actually consider adoption, right? Because um, we are literally scratching the surface at this point. When you consider adoption, and the price point at which these items are sold. And you could take a look. I mean, we're not talking expensive items um, because realize they can they can do volume. There's there's a scale there that makes sense as a revenue model. It, it's going to be absolutely massive. So when um, Eric was talking about interoperability, I, I think that's going to be a critical piece. And there are companies that are solving that now, um, today. You know, there there are companies that are actively creating interoperable wearables. Um, so that way you can bring it from a sandbox to a Decentraland, um, you know, even into a Somnium space. And it's obviously based on the poly count going to look and feel entirely different. So um, I, I can't stress how much I, I you know, um, believe wholeheartedly that it, it's probably going to be the biggest movement that we see in the next five to 10 years in terms of, um, you know, companies coming in and, and what they can provide. Um, especially as it relates to fashion. So this is, I love, love where the conversation's going. Um, all great points. Sorry, I'll, I'll kick it back to you, mom. Oh, no, I was just going to say that you made me think about how Snapchat also has fashion brands on there for the avatars. Um, even though you don't pay for them, it's still like a kind of a, oh, yeah, yeah I want to uh, wear a spreader or whatever. 
outfit. But no, that's you. You totally made me think about that, and it it also makes me think about how like nothing is new under the sun. I think you know uh, incorporating NFTs into like metaverse fashion or into gaming fashion is just giving people the ability of ownership. Honestly, like it's already there, like it's already happening, and you know just giving people that um, opportunity kind of like use their use stuff they already paid for like in other games and like take it with them and like just have it like versus once I lose my account it's all gone or you know if I want to wear this certain thing in a certain game like you know that's it's over for that because it only works in this other game or you know it can only I, I can only use it for this um amount of time so that is it's it's really cool I'm I'm really um interested and like uh, happy to see like where fashion goes like in the metaverse yeah and that's you nailed the point there where I think the standard of interoperability is so important for people to have and you know you you look at it and th there's a reason why you know I find it so fascinating that Sony and, and, and Microsoft Minecraft this past week came out and essentially poo-pooed NFTs and like d basically said they, they, they don't, um, you know, we're not doing anything with NFTs. Like, like Sony released a statement, you're able to earn digital goods in their program. And they said the terms definitely not NFTs. I kid you not like three times in two sentences. And I find that so fascinating that they did that. And Minecraft's like, we're not doing it when it's like, here's your opportunity to enter into this interoper uh, interoperable sort of metaverse and create entirely new streams of income. And I think beyond that, like being able to like wear the same sort of, you know, jacket that may that you want to flex in a metaverse and, you know, in the sandbox in, you know, Decentraland and all these other metaverses and have it be interoperable. I also think, again, the trans translation from physical or digital to physical is something that will be a logical next step. And I think that we're all like way in front of the game on that one because, you know, you see it in person when people like will wear like there's a guy, uh, Vagabond, who I, I'm buddies with, who, um, you know, I know from from the Board Ape community, his Board Ape is wearing a orange beanie. He was walking around NFT NYC freaking 80 degrees wearing an orange beanie because he likes to be, you know, matched that digital to, to real life. Right. And identifies himself with because he identifies so much with his PFP. And I just see a very logical situation where if we're walking around in these metaverses and we're wearing certain clothes that really resonate with us, then we wear things that match it. I mean, you see it with people who will like take a picture of their profile picture, like a world of women or whatever, and then they match it in real life. That opportunity to do that with metaverse fashion is so strong and people, there's going to be a demand for that. So the abundant cross that over and keep that, you know, connection point, I think is really interesting. And essentially it just takes interoperability and moves it, just one layer further from not just metaverses, but to the actual, like, you know, like outside, which is like a metaverse where you can actually touch grass and, and see trees, you know? It's almost like a personal physical brand element there. Um, you know, I own a punk and I'm actually talking to a couple um, like small boutique fashion designers about, um, because I have 3D, a 3D glasses punk. So, you know, like figuring out how to produce glasses that are like high end. And I know there's a couple other people that are doing that because I want my external image to be somewhat of a reflection of my digital image, um, which is a uh, 3D punk. So it's interesting. It's very interesting. And I think micro brands and all this stuff are going to really succeed, succeed here. The IP rights, um, you know, as, as well, you know, it's possible for me to take my punk and take the image and, and like embroider it on a hat and sell it potentially. So it's going to be really interesting to see how fashion evolves, I think. Well, you can now that Yuga came in. <laughs> well, you can now that Yuga came in. Yeah, exactly. Not not before. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think there's some interesting things to unpack there in terms of a connecting the physical and the, and the digital. Obviously, we're huge proponents of that, and I know a number of other other individuals are. Um, a lot of the new drops that are coming out are all using that technology, and in fact, that's that's the latest that um, Artifact is also dropping with their hoodie, right? So there's something to be said there, but but on the point, right on the topic, you know, you can't underestimate the power of the flex. And we know this. We know that this is true because look at what people are doing just on Twitter alone, right? Um, so just seeing that, when adoption actually does take place in metas, the only massive flex that there's going to be is, is, the, is the appearance of the avatar, right? I mean, obviously, people are going to have homes and things like that. So the rest of those things will be extended. But as the person, as the individual um, carries themselves as an avatar. I mean, it is all about the flex on that, and it will be all about fashion. So, it won't be shocking to to see that transpire in the same exact way that we're watching it happen on social media and in spaces and in IRL. The way individuals are carrying that through to items that they're producing. So, um, I absolutely agree, and and um, it's it's going to unfold before our eyes, and we're, we're watching it happen in real time. Um, don't understand what just happened, Steve, with the whole, whole thing with a field and it was just an odd thing to kind of see take place publicly like that it was just very weird um still trying to process that whole thing but um some hands went up and, and stacy's here stacy hello how are you hello i'm so sorry i haven't had service and if i sound like a robot just cut me off um but i did want to contribute to like the digital um wearables and things like that so for me um I wasn't wearing an orange hat, but I wore a bucket hat every single day of NFT NYC so that people would recognize the PFP, right? It's like a branding, it's a marketing move, it's who I am, right? And um, now, like, my community, there is, like, a demand for bucket hats. Like, my NFT holders and collectors, they want to be part of this bucket hat club. And so I think, I totally agree. I think that's where everything's headed is, how are you going to be dressing in the metaverse and how does that reflect who you are? Because you can be even more bold on an avatar than yourself with, with confidence, right? So we'll actually get to see people really express their fashion and who they are, even if they're not comfortable enough doing that in real life, which is just exciting because it's going to just make more and more fashion fans. Yeah, there's real quick. Sorry, like, there's a guy named just just building on that for a second. There's a guy who has a uh, Twitter account, Nifty Taylor, and he created a website and he has a free. And there's a reason why Nifty Taylor Taylor sold out a project. And there's a reason why when the board apes went to Christie's, everybody photoshopped their board ape in a suit. And when you know uh, Punk's comics dropped, there's a Punk's comics hoodie. And when board apes hoodies dropped, there was a board ape hoodie. And when Jenkins the valet dropped some of their project, you know, I threw on a Jenkins hoodie holding a book. Um, and actually, it was funny because I, I was copying Jenkins because I was trying to flex on my, my buddy Thread Guy and, and a couple other people who were uh, on the team and, and Jenkins himself by putting the hoodie on. And then Nifty Taylor's like, okay, I'll throw it up. And so then everybody got a shortcut where they just had to like put in a number. I, I did all the Photoshop work. But like the end of the day, like we play dress up with digital monkeys on the internet. Like that sounds weird when you say it out loud, but actually on paper, that's something that people resonate with. And the more that that happens, the more you think of like what that digital to physical translation, that bucket hat story is not the least bit surprising because it's like, 
look, I mean, if you walked around with a bucket hat and a joint in your mouth, the entirety of NFT NYC, which I think everybody in NFTs probably walked around with a joint in their mouth through NFT NYC from what I saw and smelled. But like you walked around with a bucket hat and people were like, dope, that I recognize you owe the bucket hat. It's the same reason to a lesser extent as, 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 as weird as this is. It's like I wore around a sticker with my board ape on it because nobody knows me. You know, Steve Kaczynski, 39-year-old middle-aged father of two pounds, right? The most generic-looking person on the planet. Like, I'm the most average. If you made a photo composite of all middle-aged white guys on the planet, they would spit out me, right? Like, that's what I'd look like. And so it's like, you know, if you told them, like, a police artist, like, draw, like, the most average-looking, you know, middle-aged guy, they would be like, there, here's a guy. His name's Steve. So, like, nobody's going to recognize me there, but with my sticker of my ape, everybody's like, oh, I see you, man. So, like, to a lesser extent, it's that. But if you have fashion that you represent and you have a one-of-one clothing item that that represents who you are, wearing that in real world uh, it translates over. So, sorry, that was so rude of me. I apologize. Oh, you're good. You're good. If you if you want to finish your thought, go ahead. I'm, no, no, I'm no, no, no. I just, I was realizing the hand was there. So, I'm like, ah, my bad. Go ahead. No, <laughs> no, no just keeps her hand up for when her when it's time she has her hand yeah, up for her time. I, I like people to get their thoughts out but i just raise my hand like hey guys i ha do have something to say maybe but i was just gonna <laughs> and i was gonna change the subject anyway about um i wanted to bring up augmented reality uh in fashion and like how fashion brands are already using you know augmented reality and how that will affect you know in real life and like um like neat like culture and stuff like that and like how you know like i'm i'm just i can't wait for the day where i can like go to a store and go and sit stand in front of the mirror and like try on the clothes just like pop up on me and i can like i don't have to like you know physically take stuff off and like try stuff on i think that's gonna be awesome but it also like is kind of weird to me because i'm like how you know how is that going to be socially like is people are people going to be walking around with like glasses and goggles and like fake clothes on like i don't really want that either like i would like it for like certain certain things but other things and i know it's also good for um like fashion shows and stuff like that where it's like gowns and like you know elegant things that like it takes a, a whole bunch to you know um what do you call that to like send them to different places and to alter them for models and stuff like that and using augmented reality to kind of just put the clothes on the model and like, hey, you wear this outfit and go down the runway and everybody wear goggles and you could just see them like versus like having to like do all that labor of fashion, which as like someone who does love fashion, I don't, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I love tech, but I love like in real life art and like fashion and like, you know, using your hands and like having in real life experiences. But I'm still like, I want to see the cool shit that technology does. Well, I, I think, think there's time. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say something really quickly that I think um, you got a great point with AR being um, something that's likely going to be a sleeper that just comes out of nowhere, competes with VR and, and metaverse type stuff. I, I actually 100% agree with that. I don't think people sometimes realize why, and maybe, Eric, you're, you're not talking about exactly what I'm referring to, but I think AR is going to usher in a whole new wave of advertising um, if they can just improve the look of the, you know, of the actual hardware itself, right? I mean, nobody wants to walk into a mall wearing some of the things, um, but I think they're improving, and if they do, that's going to open up a whole host of opportunities for um, individuals that are that are on the retail side um, and any kind of brand that wants to 
present product um, in, a, in a unique way to individuals as they're kind of navigating their day. I, I think that that really opens up um, a host of opportunities. And, and I, I actually agree with you. I think AR is slept on, um, but I do think it's going to kind of surprise people um, in terms of some of the things in movies in the past that will actually become reality. And, and some proof that it works is Snapchat, like and Instagram, the filters that brands use and like, you know, the like if it's a really good filter, like everybody's going to use it. So if you can get your clothes or like your tech person can get, to, can get your clothes on people the right way, like you, I think that um, you'd explode like really. But like right now, how clothes and like even makeup looks in uh, augmented reality is kind of uh, hookerish, I say. I don't <laughs> I don't like the makeup. <laughs> Where's hookerish? Is that the new uh, the new wave? I'm dying yeah. right now. Like I, I, we're all <laughs> mute just so you know we're just laughing. Like, I literally can't stop laughing. So, money mom, what do I wear? Like, am I hookerish? <laughs> no, no, you know. Okay, so the augmented reality lipstick, it like it goes over your lip line. The eyeliner is looking like I'm you dying. Just so that is binary. like that is like it's not uh, good. It's not good. You know, but uh, Stacy. So I'm a. We're gonna let Stacy talk. I wanted. To, I wanted to just say hi to Stacy. Hi, Stacy. I love you, girl. But uh, we did. We do have some people who just came up with their little hands. I see the little hands down there. We gonna get to them. But Stacy, go ahead and uh, you know, put your hand down and say what you gotta say. <laughs> You're the best. I love you, Jackie. Hello. Um, I was just gonna add on to. I was. Uh, we were talking about how designers can now, you know, design for different body types. We were talking about, you know, sustainable fashion. And you, you're going to be able to try something on and see how it fits on your body type. So online shopping is going to be easier. I mean, learning how to dress yourself and look good will be easier because you can put it on, you know, something that you're looking at. So I think... No, no, is Stacy rugging? Uh, Stacy's rugging a little bit, I think. But like the point she's making is actually something I was gonna, I was gonna pop in with similarly. Where I think one of the underestimated things that could be potentially be happening, and and I, I know there are VCs that are talking about it. I can't say if anybody is like moving on it for certain. But it's funny, like so. I was like super early, like when I was in sixth grade, I was like trying to build my own websites. I taught myself HTML, and everybody told me. Websites are like my parents literally like, this is stupid. You need to be a doctor or a lawyer or something. Don't build websites. Not every company needs a website. What's the point? And so like I, I listened to them or whatever, and it took me a while to actually get into it. I was like 38. But um, the point being like, nobody thought that these web websites were something that every company would need. Now it's like, if you don't have a website, like what are you even doing? NGMI. What I think is going to be interesting is this metaverse concept where it, it's not like web one's going to go away the same way physical stores wouldn't go away, but like people couldn't fathom the idea of online shopping. I want to touch, I want to feel things. Right. But like, think about the fact that right now it's not that physical stores went away, but online shopping is an option. Well, it's entirely with the range of outcomes that you could make an avatar based on your height, weight, measurements, et cetera, that is able to switch over, say the Nike website or you name it website to actually try on things and look at how realistic video games are right now, right? Like Logan Paul tweeted something the other day where he's in a wrestling video game. I swear to God, I didn't read the caption. I thought it was a video. Like I thought it was a video of him uh, coming out, right? So coming out of the, of the tunnel and, and getting ready to like wrestle or whatever. 
if they're able to do that, you can theoretically create that same avatar of yourself and switch that website over to shop. And then you can actually, you can see what they look like on you. And I truly, truly think that, you know, smart and innovative companies are going to say, do you want to do the AR slash sort of metaverse website and shop? Or do you want to do the shop where you just, you know, and you could potentially have VR involved where you actually see yourself in that place. Or it could be non-VR where it's like looking in a mirror and you say, I want to try this hoodie on. And you're like, oh, the sleeves are a little long on me. I don't want to get this one. Or, oh, I'm seeing that these shoes are a little narrow on my feet. Like you could theoretically input measurements and do all of that in a metaverse website shopping world. So I think like, you know, what, what Stacey was getting at was like something like that, which I think is very much within the range of outcomes in the next, I'd say, 10 years. And one thing just to add on to that is I'm, I'm interested in, in understanding how production side evolves because, you know, Matt, you know, your, your concept of, you know, you're sitting there in AR, VR, getting fitted or whatever. Why not just have the fitting directly fit to you and customized? And, that, and then when you think about custom brands and personal brands and all that stuff, it really opens the door for like, almost not the demise of large brands, but definitely the deprecation of, of, of hype around large brands. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be to be said there. And I, I think when automation becomes a thing is, is when, when that becomes reality. Um, but I, I think we're a little ways off from that. But to Steve's point, I mean, we're even partnering with a company that allows you to do this today in terms of, um, well, when I say today, um, in, the, in the near future, um, this year, that will enable you to try on um, clothing at home on your avatar based on a, on a couple shots that you'll take on your mobile, um, which is really interesting because it'll also tell you what size you are. And I think, I think that technology has a future of not just in Web3, but literally, I mean, that's, that's every e-commerce brand yesterday. So Can you say I, the name of that company? Or? It's actually, yeah, the name of the company is called The Fitting Room. Cool, cool, awesome. I'll look it up. Definitely check them out. So I kind of wanted to jump in. Hey, Stacy. Um, to everyone who doesn't know me, my name is Theo. Um, fashion designer, currently starting their own brand. Um, it's interesting to hear a lot of people talking about things like NFTs and uh, bot chains and augmented reality when it comes to fashion. And usually fashion is actually really behind. But a lot of small tech companies really focus on um, these brands. And I think you guys are... 100% correct. They're gonna, it's gonna take over. You're already seeing apps like Good Style, um, uh, Pick to Fit, to that are creating these augmented realities. And we saw it actually in Central St. Martin's. One of the designers had a QR code on the models, and that created the outfit when you scanned it. And it's like we. There was a lot of backlash to it from the older generation of saying like it's just gimmick, it's just gimmick, but you know, listening to these spaces and hearing what you guys have to say, it's really making me understand that this is the future. So I don't think you guys are too far off. I think it's going to take fashion a while to gear up, especially those larger brands. Um, but it is interesting to see Ralph Lauren doing it, especially considering how much of a lifestyle brand they are. Well, at the very least, I mean, as we go forward, again, I heard, I was listening to Kevin O'Leary talk the other day, and he's a super smart guy. Um, you know, yes, he, he is a giant asshole, but he also knows what he's doing to a degree. And when you heard he was talking about like these high end watches and the fact that it's easy to sort of fake and not authenticate a high end watch. And he's really into those. And he's like, well, if I could go to someone instead of getting a certificate of authenticity, which I put in a fireproof box under my bed, which then ultimately is, is like a very non uh, 
traditional way to do it. I mean, even like, look, my dad passed away a couple months ago. He has a bunch of sports memorabilia. Some of it has certificate authenticity. Others don't. We have to find them. Some of them are in the frame. Some of them are not. And so it's like, if you have a digital version to even just authenticate, you know, a watch, like a really, really nice watch, then when you transfer ownership of that watch and you transfer the digital of it, and by the way, they can make them really bad to make them look just like the watch they work in the metaverse as well. But that's also your authentic, you know, authenticity of that watch. It's like, you could actually use that to sort of like peg your actual ownership of something that is real and legit. So it's an interesting way to sort of approach as well that like you could even use it from authenticity the same way you can authentic, you know, authenticate the deed to a house or the title to a car. You could also do that with high end fashion items. Um, it's one of the reasons actually why I think, um, you know, Birkin is, you know, Birkin bags. And again, I'm, I'm super not fashion forward. So I got that one right is, um, is actually in a lawsuit right now. And a lot of people aren't aware of it, but, um, they're in a lawsuit right now because somebody created this like digital version of a Birkin bag. And the problem is, is that it can easily be mistaken that Birkin dropped this and it wasn't from them. And they're trying to say it's art and it falls within like cop, you know, within, you know, artistic copying, but it's very easy to make that mistake and realize you're not buying what you're actually buying. And so, um, you know, that sort of stuff is why those lawsuits are coming out and why they're, you know, pushing it out. Cause it's different than buying like, Hey, look, Andy, people, they're like, oh, well, Andy Warhol did soup cans. Well, you know, it's, I'm not going to buy an Andy Warhol soup can and be like, I think I'm buying a can of Campbell's soup. That doesn't happen. But that's one of the reasons why some of those lawsuits are happening in that manner um, and why Birkin is currently in that is because if Birkin wants to sell those online or even authenticate their own bags in a similar fashion, well, then it's easy to kind of mistake those. And I think that dis digital physical at least proof of ownership is a first step towards that direction. Yeah, we were talking about this in another space that I was in. Um, it is an interesting idea for fashion, especially the problem with the Birkin bag and what they were having. They actually should have gotten on that trend before this went down. And um, to the point of like the Andy Warhol, it's actually more of thinking you're buying an Andy Warhol soup can and you're buying some digital knockoff of it. Um, that's the point Hermes, I think, is trying to make. And I think they're right about that. And you're right about what you're saying about it. Um, but what is sort of opens the door to and which I think is actually healthy for the fashion industry is the designer can continue to make money off of the product even after it's sold out um, with royalties and reused and shown and sold it, it it'll opens the door to allow designers to not have to keep creating more and more for lack of a better word crap to sell, to keep their business going, and it allows them to slow down the fashion industry, which, as we all know, has gotten completely out of control. Um, so it would break fast fashion, which I think is actually something we need to be doing. And seeing it go into the metaverse where it's not destroying the planet is something that I think the future really needs to hold. And we're going to start seeing Gen Z pick that up more and more as a more sustainable option to express themselves. So let's go to one in a million. And then we go to you, Money Mom. Amelie, Amelie, hello. I think he. Can muted you hear me now? Oh, yep, I hear sorry. You. All right, so just wanted to uh, give a quick shout out to Steve. I'm a annual uh, listener to Coffee with Captain every morning, eight a.m. and heard James, so that's why I'm here. Um, and wanted to touch real quick on how he was talking about the kids. I've got similar age kids, 10, eight, six, and four. Um, but that's all they talk about. And I think if people pay attention to it, 
what they're actually doing, it's going to go a long way to what everyone wants to do in the fashion industry, because if they're listening to their kids, that's where it's headed. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Go, go ahead, Money Mom. I, I, this is my last time and I have to go and it sucks because Matthew just came back and oh hey Stacy I meant to say hi to you the last time I talked um, but <laughs> so I was just going to say that um, maybe fashion brands should just have their own marketplace and just hear me out they should have their own marketplace and they should accept crypto as a payment and then give people NFTs as a receipt bam and also still give people physical like certificates like of authenticity too because even though the blockchain like even though it's being recorded on the blockchain even though it can't be altered computers can be destroyed you know things can happen like and, and we i mean that not that the technology is super new but it's still being altered it's still being built on so i think we still need that in real life aspect to it too but also like adopting crypto as like on a large scale like in fashion and gaming like um i think that would be like just huge and like the connecting factor for everything to me which makes sense so that that's my last little spiel. I do have to go. Thank you guys for for having me on the panel, and thanks for all the good insight. Totally. Can I touch on that? Or... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Chime in. So this is a hundred percent. So I'm like a total geek about talking to people in real life about NFTs. So I was at Costco the other day, and this awesome artist. He's a photographer. He takes pictures of Chicago and he busted his ass for three years to try and get into Costco. And he sells these 50 or $60 up to like $200, like awesome framed photography. And I was like, do you know about the NFT world? And he was like, yeah, kind of. And I tried to onboard him for literally like 30 minutes while my kid was like crying out of my hands. Dude, if you get it, like, but what she just said, I thought was so smart that I know that you guys have talked a little bit on Coffee with Captain about. Um, I basically said, like, just sell that, but then give them like a receipt and say, whenever you get into NFTs, boom. And I thought that was so smart what you're doing, James, with uh, NFC. I think it's called the technology to verify it. The real life with digital we have to onboard people backwards, I guess. So I'm going to shut up and let you guys talk about it. No, no. I mean, look, you're, I, the articulation of these points and the way that you're saying them is, is the way that they need to be said, because sometimes we can say things in a way that are lost in individuals. So, you know, talking about selling, as she said, a, you know, in a, in a marketplace, uh, an NFT that comes with a, as a digital receipt and then also comes with a physical good. I mean, that, that's it that that's we're we're going to see a lot more of that i mean we're seeing we're seeing that happen it's what we're doing it's what a lot of individuals that are starting to do drops are doing point and you know colton rain keeps trying to pop up and down just so everybody knows he's thirty thousand feet in the air so i don't even know if he could if he'd actually be able to speak um but he brought up a good point he was kind of dming me that his 11 year old spends like 70 dollars a month on roblox in digital fashion so we need to really consider and think about, you know, what that means um, in terms of at, at scale, right? So I, I just think that 
that that's going to be a, a massive driver because those individuals are going to get older and grow up and, and that's all they're going to know. So I, I just honestly think that it's, it's the brands that aren't taking that approach are, are going to get, they're going to just be behind. They're not going to get left behind, but they're going to be behind. And, and it is NFC. We're using NFC chips to, to authenticate back to the blockchain, to provide access. I mean, you could use your hoodie or your, your shirt to get you into an event, for example. Um, so there's a whole host of um, opportunities that that technology presents, but you hit it on the head. And I, I, I think that, um, I think the more and more that we just continue to deliver this message, the more people are going to start to understand it, digest it, and then be able to act on it because they understand the value. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump here in a second, but I, I want to make like one quick point and then uh, also one quick shill. So um, the, the, uh, the point I was going to make is, is I, I love what, uh, I love what uh, she was saying about similarly about like the online marketplace. And, and that makes so much sense because, and I forget who it was. I, I think it was, I think it was Bowery just earlier who said, look, like it lets them not just like send it off into the wild and be done with it. I mean, how much stuff gets sold on Poshmark and other places. And then the creator gets absolutely no credit for that or makes no money off that. Well, if it's sold with a, with a NFT uh, attached to it, you have in perpetuity an income stream created, uh, getting a percentage of each sale. It doesn't have to be a huge one, but it's something. And to me, like that's rewarding an artist because let's face it, designers, fashion designers are artists. And I know that this is a, this is a home crowd for that, but I know that there are, uh, places that will say like, oh, like fat, like clothes designers. It's like they're artists. They are creating something. And I've learned that as much as anybody as a very quick story about, you know, NFT NYC I've told and some people have heard this, but like, you know, James, let me borrow a jacket for 24 hours in NFT NYC. I normally wear a hoodie. And so I wear like a hoodie, a pair of black skinny jeans and a pair of like, you know, white Adidas, uh, uh, you know, or white Nike sort of, you know, you know, tennis shoes. Right. And like, normally I just wear the hoodie with that. And it's like, whatever. I put on this varsity jacket he gave me and I got like two dozen comments in 24 hours from people in and out of NFTs about, oh my God, love your style. Like a dude, you know, a dude in a, like a Pharrell type hat who was like, had the most sauce of anybody I saw at NFT NYC was like, dude, I saw you when you walked in, love your style. I'm like, dude, this guy has like, is just so much drip. And I'm sitting here like not knowing what I'm doing. And yet he's telling me I have style. And it's like that little tweak matters. Um, and the ability, but there's there, there's that piece that it like really matters to, and then and so like with that, I just wanted to like leave with like one very very quick shill, um, just because I know that you know we have a decent room, and um, before I jump, uh, just call attention to the top tweet, um, that's pinned to the top. You know, people we're talking digital, we're talking physical, you know, metaverse. Um, you know, I'm I am working with James at Clubhouse Archives, Chief Culture Officer over there, so like I I'm learning about fashion at the same time. I'm bringing the Web three part of that to it a little bit james is obviously very versed in web3 but um you know that that's where i try to bring a little bit of expertise um you know i don't know why he pays me because he's the man but you know i'll take it um but pull attention to that top tweet there um he's essentially doing this physical digital thing and you know if you're interested he is minting right now i think it's like 0.38 or something at current uh current prices of eth or you can pay with a credit card so if you have friends that are into fashion who want to get into and way to onboard them because he's made it so you can just pay with a credit card um but effectively it's it's probably one of the most exclusive fashion clubs i suppose in the world where you can share in sales and royalties um there'll be a free piece of clothing you'll vote on products and help kind of determine where they go um and get access and events and, and priority drops so just want to call attention to that total shill but I, I recommend checking it out at, at clubhouse archives because you know it's something i'm super pumped about like once I had that experience, I just talked about in, in New York City where suddenly I'm like, wow, this like really makes me feel good about myself. 
I want to care more about what I put on my body in those clothes, right? Like, and how I express myself. Um, it was a no-brainer for me that the fact that I already was going to get in this. I still minted um, because of that. So just want to call attention to that. And thank you, Stacky, for hosting. Stacy for co-hosting. Awesome's kind of talking to everybody. One in a million. Um, uh, you know, Matthew, everybody. Uh, you know, New Street, it's great meeting you. Everybody on the stage, like, it's been awesome, awesome having a chat. I wish I could stay, but my kids are going to murder me if I don't make food for them um, while they go spend money. They're literally playing Roblox right now and shopping for clothes. So thank you all. Appreciate you all. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll do this again maybe next Friday. And this is just so awesome. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, we're, thank we're... You. Go ahead, Zach. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say thank you, Steve, for coming and uh, sharing your, your knowledge and also – you know, my kids, they love to, I told you, they love to spend all my money on Robux also. So maybe we can do a DAO, a Robux DAO for parents. Robux DAO, I'm dead. That's so funny. <laughs> I'm going to tell my wife she's going to crack up at that one. Like, that's the Tell best me. idea ever. Uh, I'm, I'm, consider, I'm considering, uh, you know, filing for bankruptcy because of Robux. So, <laughs> but yeah, I wanted, I wanted to re uh, talk. Uh, we're going to call on Matt in a second, but. Want to redirect your attention to the pin tweet at the top? Do you want to give them a little insight on, on what's going on up there, Clubhouse? Yeah, I got you. I, I love Steve to death, man. The, the comment he made earlier with the being the average of like every average white middle-aged guy, and it would look like me. Um, I was literally rolling on the floor. Um, but Steve's a wealth of knowledge, and and he's incredible, and I appreciate everything that he said. And, and the jacket at the top is actually the reason why I pinned the other tweet is it is the jacket that he was actually wearing. Um, and, and I know Eric would probably ask at one point on the, on the percentage of sales and royalties. So I'm going to bring that to light. But, you know, I, I created um, a luxury apparel brand born on the blockchain for the Web3 community. And I did that because, A, there's a, there was a serious need for, for a brand in Web3 to kind of represent the space, right? But B, the technology affords you the ability to do things that we never had the opportunity to do as brands. You know, doing this for 23 years, um, I never had the ability to create a membership and allow that membership to vote on product development. That's just, that's incredible to have the ability to do that with Web3. And I think that when you think about things like that, it turns the whole kind of business model on its head because it's it's a new way of going about things. So that is one of our utilities is we allow our membership to partake in the product development process through um, voting. It's not a DAO, right? But they do get to have a participation in that process. And because we're allowing them to participate, the other value that I always talk about is the KYC 1099. So they've got an option. If they want a 1099 with the brand, if they want to uh, sign an independent contractor agreement, since they're going to be participating in product development, we're going to cop that. There's no reason why we're not allowed to do that. Um, so that's just something that that I think also is unique to the space um, because that develops now a way to give back to the individuals that are participating actively in the growth and the direction of the brand. Um, and then we also give away a complimentary free garment um, and obviously access. We all know exclusive access in, in the NFC space is um, not anything profound or unique, but we're not um, we're not shying away from that. So we're we're providing obviously preferred access, similar to like um, you know if you think of any of the luxury streetwear brands and the way they do the exclusive uh, drops like Supreme, etc. But look, I digress. Um, I just wanted to call attention to the pin tweet at the top. 
Steve brought it up. Um, I was actually just enjoying the conversation. So Matthew, let's kick it over to you. Let's keep this moving um, in the direction that it was before. I am so sorry I had to dip on that, but yeah, I had to take an important call for work. But um, actually, it was ironic because I came back right into the conversation I was actually wanting to talk about, which honestly is, you know, we don't talk enough about youth culture and its applications to fashion historically. Like, youth culture is what drives a lot of the culture, and we're at an epoch now where generationally we're shifting the tone in which our the younger generation absorbs you know fashion and culture and their operation especially being isolated with uh corona and everything has added to the digital need and in an increasingly globalized community the ability to be able to engage with someone across the world on a platform is now needed like even just for work things like we're doing zooms and shit across the world so we need to think on the scale of that and thinking of also that children as now the like they are the primary commodifier they are the largest market and also to parents who know that the clothing market alone for kids you know they grow out of it so quickly where like AR needs to fall into that role. Like you can buy yourself a t-shirt, but then own the digital IP for say Fendi and be able to AR the print of Fendi all over it. It's ways of looking at this in a way to solve a lot of the life issues that we have, but being able to engage in the conversation of fashion or luxury. Cause I, I think a lot of where fashion is splitting right now is the luxury market and the fashion market where you're going to have the more artisanal side versus, you know, the commercialized or more, you know, cheap or like more inexpensive side, you know, like something that is more palatable or commodifiable, but you can, if you have whatever price point, be able to buy into it. And looking at the youth market and how that's going to develop, it's like that is going to be the future for us anyway. So looking at that earlier on and looking at youth luxury and how they are appropriating the space, how do we want to integrate with them faster? Yeah, you came right into the at the time that we were literally specifically talking about that. And I think I mentioned that, that um, I think it was Andy brought up um, Colton Moraine that, you know, his his 11 year old spending 50 to 70, uh, 70 bucks a month on digital fashion, scale that for a minute in your head and think about the size of the market, right? When you talk about addressable markets in business, the potential addressable market in the next five to 10 years. Or a resale market. Like no one's been talking about the potential for a digital resale. Like it's tokenomics, but utilizing the NFT to be able to resell it and not have to hold on no usage from the child like that completely changes children's wear industry fundamentally a hundred percent so you that's that's a that's a multiplier when you really think about it when you add, when you take those two together um it's astronomical in in terms of what it's going to do for the industry and you know which is why we continue to communicate the message it's definitely a, a slow process i think 
Um, but that's okay, right? That's that's why we're here. We're here early, knowing that this is a slow process, knowing that it's going to be a build, knowing that you know we're helping shape the technology. So, um, Matthew, you brought up a really good. You got my wheels turning now in the resale market. Um, but we do have some hands. I know we've got Bowery Social Club, uh, and then one of the million Bowery. What's up? Yeah. So I was just listening to. Um, what you guys are saying about how to get the fashion industry sort of into it and moving towards it. The fashion industry is kind of working on it already, um, but not in a way that I think is going to, they're not even thinking about how it could be profitable. We're cutting back on sampling and we're doing a lot of 3D. I keep telling Matt one day I want to get my uh, from mine on here. She actually creates three-dimensional patterns that are then put on an avatar. I think something that could be done and I it's it's how to bridge that gap between technology and the tech heads with the fashion geeks and the fashion designers we don't think the same and I know Matt's constantly trying to pull me in here and um, I think one of the biggest struggles is how to create something whether it's an app or whether it's like um, some sort of system where a fashion designer, especially a small brand that's, you know, up and coming, um, that really could generate and resonate with Gen Z, how to sort of get them into the NFT world in a seamless way. Um, because right now it's a struggle to wrap as a designer to wrap your head around something that doesn't exist. How do you build it? Who's building it? Where, where does it go? Who's paying for it? How do we store it? What is all the what is the uh, the nuts and bolts to the actual process? Um, and I think that's going to be the biggest struggle to sort of bridge gaps, you know, bigger companies, it's easier. They can hire somebody and let them just figure it out for them. But smaller companies that I think are really going to benefit from it, um, are the ones that are going to struggle with it. So it's like, how do you bridge that? How do you sort of work on that? And how do you get their minds around it? You know, especially learning, okay, we have a actual product, a re in real life product. And how do we sort of move their headspace to, okay, now we have a digital product and who's paying for that? Yeah, I think that's a unique, uh, a unique question to propose. And look, it's, it's like I said, this is going to be a really slow role in terms of um, the transition, you know, web three in itself is a, is a very slowly adopted um, space. We, we see this fashion within web three is, is, you know, a microcosm um, within within that space. So, you know, it's definitely you've raised some good questions. You know, I have another question in terms of of this whole process. And Matthew, I think you brought this up before. You know, it addresses f fast fashion and sustainability in a way that I don't think people realize. And you you talked about resale, um, you know, of the item itself. It actually um, it actually increases the value, right, of the item if you think about it, because you can tie it and authenticate it back to the blockchain it's like it becomes a non-discardable item at that point so the resale value increases and we start to address some of these problems that we see in a major in a major major way that in the past 10 years have really become really huge problems environmentally um so i'll, I'll kick it down to one in a million and we'll bring it back up to matthew because um, i know he's got some thoughts on that but one, one in a million what's going on hey guys so it's so frustrating to listen to this, like not in a bad way, but I'm just on the other side. I have nothing to do with fashion. I thought the the in real life and physical digital mesh with James and Clubhouse was genius. 
and something I thought of like 10 years ago, I just was doing crayons on paper and stuff like that. Um, and he really brought it to the web three space. And then I geeked out on web three. I want to say like 11 months ago, I got in and it really is like the big corporations just are slow. Right. So the ones who are going to be quicker and might mess it up like Adidas, Nike, like Budweiser, they're at least trying. And there's so many others that aren't trying it. And what you're doing, James is so ahead of the curve, man. Like I'm not in fashion at all. Like I wear t-shirts and basically boxers every day. Um, but what I do get is the physical with the digital in the way you're pairing them together is genius. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out because I feel like a lot of people here are smart, curious people who are probably working for big corporations that might say, dude, I got to get out of this and start doing the right thing and making big web three moves. That's why there's only 35 of us in here at 530 in the afternoon. And I think you guys are, are really doing it right. And I hope everyone else keeps pushing that envelope. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to have, have created that digital um, aspect of it. We're just doing it perhaps in a little bit of a unique way. But look, Artifact and, and a number of other, other companies um, are, are doing very similar things in, in that respect, probably not at scale. Um, I, I wish Adidas would have come in and did something a little bigger. But like to your point, they're, they're definitely doing it. Like Adidas is thoughtful. And I actually, he's called them not a fashion brand. I mean, they're, they're definitely very much in our, our space in terms of um, being a force. And, and they are being very thoughtful about what they're doing. So we need more of that, right? I, we don't just need a big brand to dip their toe and, and do things. We need them to come in and do some thoughtful things that are going to help raise the bar and, and push things forward. But um, Matthew, I know you probably had something to say about what, what we were talking about a moment ago. So go ahead and chime in. I mean, I, I'm, I'm now my brain's all overloaded with thinking, but <laughs> um, I, I think in terms of wait, hold on. First, which question do you want me to answer? You can, Sorry. you can go. The, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna stop this at the top of the hour, Matthew. Brother, that happens to me. Brother, all do your time, thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, my brain just like went into eight different directions there, and I was like, "Oh wait!" But uh, resale—that uh, was what I was trying to talk about before. But uh, yeah, digital resale—the element to look out for that in the marketplace and how that holds weight. You know, the, the actual commodifiable object in the physical reality could be destroyed, stolen, or whatever. So in the context of just ownership, that is a solvent. Because when you're talking so much to, like most companies right now are looking to protect their provenance. Like you see the major luxury houses now jacking up their prices because they're seeing the resale market making double what they made. And a lot of it also comes down to niche culture. And what you were saying, Ted, I, I think a lot of the cultivation of niche culture is what drives these smaller brands to being enabled and being able to operate more so than just, you know, 
the bigger companies that have the the fundamental money to do it. Like the concept of digital first, I think of as an ideology to say, this is the product and we are going to be open as a company to show you the struggles we're going through. What are point A, point B, point C operations are and how we're trying to figure this out and be able to bring people in in that kind of a, you know, open forum kind of company way. Now, with that comes, you know, the potential of it not getting enough of a following to really develop off the ground with that. But with that also comes the opportunity to really cultivate, you know, the small niche market that nowadays the major companies that are coming into the space, and no matter what we do, they're going to enter. It's the niche market that they want to be a part of. It's what they, it's why the secondhand market is screwing them over because a younger generation is more informed on fashion or just on how to buy or like how to be able to access a brand name product. It's easier for them because they know, oh, I can go on Etsy or I can go on one of the million other platforms or Real Real or whatever and buy it at a discounted rate, even though I know it retails for this. So I'll just wait for it to go on Real Real for a half price. You know, it's knowing that that secondary market now is advancing almost past what a retail standard could have gotten because they're seeing a shit ton of them being lost. It's why governments are also freaking out about crypto because they're seeing a shit ton of their money going directly into a crypto market that has no association to their governmental standard of finance. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that stuck out that that always stands out, and and people say this quite a bit, is the 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 big brands are coming whether we like it or not, right? So I never really fear that, and, and that's we actually need that for adoption. I mean, it's we we would be fooling ourselves if uh, if we think we're going to get there without that, right? Um, the one thing that's tough for me is is the way that they typically would onboard and some of the points that you actually touched on, you know, they can misstep in, in major ways and, um, and set us back, right? Because you have to think about a major brand that comes in that has a lot of brand equity outside of Web3. They're, gonna, they're going to pull liquidity into what they do. So if that experience is not a positive one it's a negative one for the rest of the space and for the rest of us that are trying to do things in a similar fashion so for me i i just think that it stuck to me because you said that and i always say that that these big brands are coming whether we like it or not i just really hope that that they are listening to these spaces um or, or at least you know the good ones that are out there and there are a lot of good spaces out there um, and educating on the proper way to do this, because I've seen people as of recently do things that do not translate to any of us at all. We look at it and we're like, they missed it. They didn't get it. I don't even know who's driving over there because it just doesn't make sense. So, you know, the other the other thing in terms of the resale side of, of this whole thing, that's going to that's going to create a ripple effect um, when that actually catches on, Matthew. And I'm I'm so I'm so so glad um, that you really really kind of brought that up because I, my my wheels started turning of like creating garments. You know, it's it's it, that that is almost anti fast fashion when you think about. It. I mean, it is creating garments to really 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 last. I mean, really 
it's you're you're literally creating heirlooms at that point because it is to hand down it is to resell it is to push on and, and retain its quality and value if attach it to the blockchain and provide the the additional value we're achieving that so you and i need to sidebar and some things on on that um because you got my my wheels like just turning um so i appreciate that and i, I don't know if it was the whiskey or what but uh i got excited go, go ahead matthew I think it's changing how we look at objectivity nowadays. Like, I I think you can add a token to any object. So in the context of a metaverse or in context of, I'd say, mostly digitalized futurism, like how we perceive most culture around us right now is digitalized in one way, whether it's looking at it through your phone or whatnot. If utility and your value is representative by an image or by being able to show provenance of an object why deal with physical ownership when physical ownership holds so many problematic aspects whether that's taking care of the object keeping it pristine having climate control like this applies to all things and you know this could also go towards you know preserving artistry in a way that couldn't have been before so I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of ways to structure it. And the benefit of an NFT is shit. It can literally be anything. So it's just about how you apply your mindset and your modalities onto it. Because we all come from a different perspective, but it's how we have these conversations together and are able to, you know, activate. Because I feel like I up in, in echo chambers hearing the same things a lot. It's just how do we start activating these ideas and not necessarily just rest on having the conversation. Yeah. I think that's why I said we got a sidebar because it is about activation or execution, right? Like it's, you know, and, and you and I both know this, we've been in a ton of spaces together. Um, and, and it does create a bit of a, of an echo chamber, right? Where you start to hear the same things. The positive side of that is there are a lot of people that cycle in and out that you and I just don't necessarily notice and or see. So, I'm okay consistently delivering the message, but to your point, it's the activation and the execution on these ideas that that need to start coming to fruition a little more. Um, so I am here for that. I know we've tried to connect a couple times on some, some things, but um, we got to make some things happen here. And I think the more we can we can do um, in that respect, um, then we start to push the space forward, right? And and then people look at things and say there was success in X, Y, and Z. And I just say that because it could be anything, right? It could be looking at what Adidas did um, and saying, yeah, there was a lot of success there. And I, I, I actually think that they did do it right. Um, there, there, you could look at some other ones that have done some successful drops in this space in that sense, you know, um, that are deli- like, hey, Colton Rain's delivering product this year. They're going to be one of the first to deliver products to their consumers um, in a much larger scale that didn't come from, you know, the web two space of a, of a big brand behind that. So that's, that's what this space needs is more of that more execution on, on all of these ideas that we continually hear. Um, but I'm, I'm locked in, I'm locked and loaded on this, uh, on this resale side of things, um, just because I think it's the anti fast fashion. And, you know, that was one of the reasons why I loved NFTs was because it, it presented a new way to combat things. Like, you know, for instance, like Colt did this too. 
when we sell our NFTs, like we're producing after that. So you're producing in an efficient way that there's no wastage. I mean, that's like, that's profound. When you think about this in the, in the end, you know how many, so I found this out and I didn't even know I've been in the industry 23 years. I didn't realize that poly labels represent some of the largest forms of wastage and pollution um, and detriment to the environment because there are millions of these things that are created and just discarded. And that's just plastic. I mean, it's like, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. So if you can create efficient environments through NFTs technology, um, through resale, through anything that keeps the product cycle moving without having to create things that are going to be just inevitably discarded um, very quickly, that's that is the movement that the industry needs to execute on, and and um, I'm just I keep hearing more and more of it, and, and it brings me back to why I got into this in the first place. It was for those intentions. We had some people come up and, and throw some hands up. So, uh, Bowery, let's kick it to you, and then E Money's on stage too. So, Bowery, what's up? So yeah, we just I just wanted to talk about what you were just saying, and that's one of the biggest struggles, you know, um, in the industry. How do you protect the product? in its, you know, shipping and getting it to the customer. I think that's one thing that um, e-commerce has sort of caused problems with. Um, so, yes, I think there's ways around it. And I think NFTs are really going to help with that. Um, we are working on, you know, us at Bowery Social Club, we're working with biodegradable packaging, sustainable packaging, recycled packaging, um, and then actually no packaging and how to ship things without packaging. Because I do think that's a huge issue in the industry. Um, and we do, you know, these little gifts that we give to the customers, things like stickers, tote bags, they do end up in landfills. And I think NFTs are a great new way of giving like the little token that will actually then eventually be worth more money than just like, let's say, a sticker or a tote bag or something like that. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, they, I think Steve brought this, Matthew, it's just, actually, Matthew just brought this up. It's endless. It's literally endless in terms of, like, like, the value that you can work through in terms of, like, what can we give back to, you know, the the customer. I don't want to call them a holder, but it, it, they're a holder, right? But, but at the end of the day, you know, we, we kind of view all these individuals as just community members that are participating in what we're doing, but to give back to them. And, and if you can create that value in some unique way, and by the way, you touched on something I don't think I've heard before, no packaging uh, as a movement. That's, that's really interesting to me as well. You're kind of, you, my wheels started turning when you said that too. Um, Cause there, before that's we get a, into, oh, go ahead. Saki, go ahead no, before we get, before we get into any more, I just wanted to let you know, uh, we are closing up at seven, seven on time, but uh, to introduce some people who are on the stage. Hey, Matt, yeah, I, I close on time. <laughs> so we have more to talk about next time because if we talk about everything, we can point at Fashion Friday. But, uh, yeah, I want to introduce some people up here who haven't really got a chance to talk. And this is Paige. My girl Paige is a Playboy model. She's also, you know, a fashionista, I would like to say, if you check out her page. So, uh, hey, what's up, Paige? Just say hi real quick and introduce yourself and you know, to oh, these no. I am not. You know, I have to. Pizza. I don't even care. I just look good without clothes on. Please don't put me on the spot. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hi, everybody. I was. I meant to be here at five earlier, but I've had a. 
<laughs> a showbiz baby rough mental health day <laughs> today and I couldn't join earlier but I love Stacky and everything that she's about and when I'm not in a depressive low um, I wouldn't call myself a fashionista but I dress in and I like ranch that's, so. that's what all people who uh, have fashion <laughs> not me talking about condiments during space about fashion <laughs> Okay. I don't have anything valuable to add other than I'm a big idiot. Stacky, I love you so much. Normally, I bring more value, guys. I swear, I really do. I'm just at a low spot, and I meant to be here at 5. Um, I am here at 6.54. Shout out to me for not keeping good time and being irresponsible. Love you guys. I love you, too. So she's also a mental health advocate. So, you know, she's very open about her her can her mental health conditions uh, you know but she is uh, uh, <laughs> in other words i am unwell i am unwell but i do yes i do talk about myself out loud because it's important um for those of you that don't know me in the room my my younger brother committed suicide in 2017 i worked in treatment and in me- mental health and substance use treatment for like 11 years um, that is my passion. Um, but, you know, even for us successful folks, we all have our bad days. And some of mine are very bad. And I've had a lot of them like, recently. So I've just been trying to engage. And E-Money, I love you. I see you in the audience. I know we need to connect. And I even told you to hold me accountable. But even that is not enough. So tomorrow, maybe. Um, but Saki, I love you so much. And this space is great. I'm, I'm sorry I'm late, but I'm glad that I'm here now. Well, we're here uh, every Friday. And I know you will be here on time next time. Because I will, I'll call you an hour early and stay on the phone until you do. Hey. So. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't apologize. You do you. We don't. We, everybody has days when, when they're not. Uh, hey, I have them all the time. So it's just we're all here together, though. So appreciate you even saying Sharing all that, so that's uh, that's what's up. People need to be able to be able to speak like that, um, because sometimes I, I do the same thing. I, I feel like if I don't, and I bottle it up, it actually ends up being worse for me later on. So I appreciate you um, saying that, and, and it is value whether you see it or not. So uh, sounds like we're gonna have a, a really good time next week, Stacky, because this this, you got, this is a fun crew. I can tell you that. Yes. So this week was was just an introduction to everybody who don't know each other. You know, these are the two different networks joining together um, and kind of, you know, creating a splash, I guess you want to say, in the fashion on Fashion Friday. So we'll be bringing in some people you may have never heard from if you're in the fashion community in the NFT space uh, into Fashion Fridays. And uh, like like Paige, she's pretty new to Web, uh, not to Web3, but to Twitter itself. She's in, She was on Instagram for a very long time. So, you know, we're bringing some new people into the fashion space and hopefully get to introduce everybody. Um, Every Fashion Friday here, Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Clubhouse Archives NFT. So you want to close us out because it's 6.57. Yeah, I could do I could close this out. Listen, um, I'm going to close this out in a simple way, and and that is to give you flowers, Stacky. I I appreciate you. kind of helping me bring this back because there are people that are, are in here that have heard this uh, when I was doing it. And I know Swole, uh, Matthew, and, and some individuals participated in the past. Um, so to bring this back for me was, was something that I wanted to do 
for a multitude of reasons. But once again, to just keep continuing to deliver the message right in a clear and consistent way um, so people can start to understand what's going on. Um, and this movement within a movement um, is is really is, is taking shape in a way that I hope that it would. Um, but as we continue to build this out, it sounds like we're going to have an awesome crew. Um, these are all great people. And I got to meet Eric and, and, and Bree. And, um, and I, I learned that, that Bree and, and Matthew are both Sicilian, uh, like myself, uh, was something new. And that was in the very beginning of the conversation. Um, but I, I will say, you didn't learn that much about me to be honest, but okay. I will. You see you, we have next week, Bree. Yeah. Y'all can take a look at my banner on my profile and get a little bit of an idea of what I've been doing for the last 15 years. And yes, I will be here next week to uh, elaborate on that. Um, huge, I got, I got fan. Bid. huge. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I'm a huge fan. fan of you too, girl. I got a bid war going right now. I got a crazy ass day going right now. I got a black man who is slandering my name through the mud. I'm getting more followers from it. I'm like, okay, I guess this is what, this is what they say. Any publicity is good publicity. Let's fucking I'm like, go. Shit, man. Um, yeah, like, ooh, I'm getting a lot of hate. Every time I, I, I get a little success, I literally get like 10 people just trying to literally... <laughs> Throw me in the trash. So, Paige, I feel you today, girl. Well, they, I they, love you. They have I love you, you so trash. much. They can't throw you in the trash. It's impossible, okay? Let girl, me tell you. You it is, it's a battle. All right? You made it's it. a battle. It's like, oh, I woke up to a win. And then, oh, hey, just so you know, uh, some really bitter black man had a big space about you and called you crazy. Uh, I was like, you mean the man that tried to hit on me, but he has a wife in the space? And I said no. And then he told me uh -oh. to kill myself. Oh yeah. hell no! All right, next time we'll ju we'll just drag them. Uh, we'll have Fashion Fridays Drag Fest. Mad <laughs> <laughs> love to all of you. Uh, thank you for having me, Stacky, my Sicilian fam up here. And Paige, my DMs are always open. You know what, bitch? I've got your number. Let's, uh, you know, I'm going to connect with you today because I've been late on that anyway. And, I love uh, you. Thank you, Stacky, again for having me. Am I to pause? No problem, Bree. I love you. Yeah, love thanks you. for having me as well. It's and I was going to say, you know, thank you, everybody, for coming New Street. Matthew. Uh, Will E Money, you didn't really get to talk that much, but next time you can run your mouth as as you like to do. <laughs> and then I just want to say thank you to Paige for coming. Thank you, Bree. And uh, I want to say as the last and final thing, uh, I am swole. We are swole. Uh, I'm a part of the swole cult. I also have my swole. You know, this is the way. <laughs> Where's mine? Send mine, or I'm this fucking out. Dude. I'm gonna flood that whole project. <laughs> I'm Paige, on this. Paige I would have sent you so I only own one. <laughs> I have I one full energy in my life right now because, like, I need to feel. I need some strength. Ooh, well, yeah. I'm Check the link my in the bio. Cole, and I'm fudding that one. Goodbye. Okay, Paige. <laughs> let me in on that. Let me in on the alpha page because they'll talk about 
uh, stuff all day. We could be in spaces for hours, right, Paige? But uh, let's go yeah. ahead and close it out, and we'll see you next Fashion Friday. <laughs> all right, everybody. Bye. Bye. Jackie, thanks for having me. Bye, Bill.